Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things of real estate. And man, our Nashville Preds came to an end. Oh, well. I knew you were going to bring that up first thing. Man. But it was a heck of a run, man. It was a great. The last game was still great. Dude. I was on pins and needles. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. The fact, I mean, you don't really appreciate how long the entire playoffs run until you get totally invested like this, and you're sitting there going, "We're still playing hockey in June." Yeah, and it's like, and you're committed. You're going to the games. You're sitting there at the watch parties, and it's like, "Holy cow!" We're getting ready to go to the beach, and we're still. Watching, watching hockey. hockey. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, you know, I've been watching hockey for 20-some years. Actually, probably 30-some years, but let's not admit that. <laughs> it's not the wrong, man. Hockey's good. Since the Edmonton Oilers with Wayne Gretzky, yeah. this is, the Penguins are the best hockey team I've ever seen on ice. I'm going to say boo, but I have to say okay. I, really? I, they're, they're, I mean, they, they're really good. They are good. Yeah. I, I, I was sitting there and watching the game on um, – Last Sunday night, and it was just like you could just see Murray. He was in his own, even though Pekka was doing his thing. But man, just well, well, Murray's not good. It's it's just the way they play. And but the, the but the guy, the five guys in front of him yeah. at any given moment are the best guys. I mean, it it, it really that the only reason the Edmonton team, Edmonton, the old Edmonton Oilers with Gretzky, the only reason I think that they were better. Well, it's not because Gretzky's that much better than Crosby, which he was, but because they had a better goalie. Well, I think what this – I mean, I don't think you can quantify what this run has done, not only for the Predators, yeah, yeah, for but the for the city. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, not but, even locally, but I mean, nationally, even internationally. I mean, just the accolades and everybody – I mean, just from simple things like who's going to sting – who's going to sing the – National the, anthem. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was all hyped up, and everyone's coming in here. Can't wait to get here to game so, one. Somebody on yeah. ESPN said, can we move the headquarters? Yeah. <laughs> to Nashville, because Nashville was great. Oh, yeah, was man. Great. I mean, and we had, like, full-on city support, too. Oh, I was. mean, all my cousins and family live in Manchester, you know? Like, the first Bonnaroo ever, I was like, I'm going to Bonnaroo. And they're like, well, what is that? And I was like, um, your town's <laughs> about to be like... And then, you know, they were it just did. like, whatever. She don't know what she's talking about. And then, you know, their whole town was turned upside down. Right. And now they, like, have totally... It's way better planned. But anyway... They're all like hockey fans, you know. They're like live out in the country and farm, and then yeah. all of a sudden they're all like hockey fans. All of a sudden, yeah, it's fun. It's great. It's, it's cool. Great. I mean, people that don't even understand what icing is, or you know, yeah. just the simplest terms of hockey, but yet they're in. And I, you know, people were talking about bandwagon fans and whatever. I'm like, let them no. go, man. Let them go. Come on. I mean, everybody. Uh, you know, and, that, and, that, and that is, I think that that is not the case because I remember right after the strike. That how people came together to make sure and save the Preds. Yeah, and there, I mean, there was a lot of people that were really dedicated to saving yes. the Predators. Yes. And in other cities, they did not have that kind of post-strike wine, wine, wine mm-hmm. support. And they, they you know, people kind of like, hey, you know what? It was just a labor dispute. It's okay. We're going to support the team. And that, yeah. I, I, I think for as slightly above average as the team has been for since they've been here. The, the city has always supported the team. Absolutely. Especially for a small market city. Yeah. It's, we're not in Canada, for crying out loud. No, but man, you'd think this was the birthplace of hockey with the way the town Oh, yeah. Out. I was like... Oh, my. I, I don't know. I'd have to look. But I would have a feeling that in a mediocre season, 
that Nashville outpulls L.A. when they're having a mediocre season. The L.A. does not oh. pull that well. They, I don't think they do pull that well. Oh, look at the, this season. I mean, yeah. the Anaheim series. I mean, there was nobody in the arena. That's right. I mean, state. I think it's state, yeah, Staples Center. Yeah. It was like Anaheim. I mean, those are big cities. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. are cities that should I fill that, that place watching every it, night. Being like, no they don't even have any people watching no. the stands. And you want to give them a little, little credit saying, okay, yeah, it is only 5 o'clock out there, but where's, where's your people at at second period? Yeah. You know? No, I, no it's, it's, the city has always supported the team well and – you know, and, and yeah, Anaheim's been there before, but no, nah, the, the city, it was great. It, it was great for the city. It was great for our business because people were excited about being here. I like hockey a lot better than football. The Titans. No, but maybe they'll be good. Maybe we're... Let's th- There's let's something crazy, about hockey. Okay? Well, I'm just saying maybe if we can get them, you know, doing better because they're well, not good at all. That would be great. Oh, they're good. They got a, they got okay. a good core. We'll see. Yeah, I think the Titans are going to be real. Mariota's sure. a real deal, I think. I do. I do agree with that. Okay, Mariota's we'll see. Deal. I don't really watch it, so okay. <laughs> I know. You like what's it, what's it, what team do you watch again? I, I like Auburn. I like college football. <laughs> I was, I was, and I, was I like baseball, you. too, and hockey. Those uh, are like really the only things I like Auburn to watch. Auburn used to have a great baseball team. Do they still have a good baseball team? Yes, they have a great baseball team. And we have the number one um, fishing team hey, in the country. By the way, my <laughs> alma mater was national champions, both men and women. Mm, well, in turtles. Now, guess the sport. you got to guess the sport, though. Lacrosse. It was. That's right. Good guess. Look Maryland? At what? what? Maryland where? Men and women's won uh, the national championship in lacrosse this year. See, I don't wow. see us busting out a lacrosse team and my, my relatives in Manchester being like, we're lacrosse. But you know what? I mean, hockey is basically lacrosse, oh. football. Okay. All rolled up, put on ice. Sure. Don't you see? My, I mean, my, yeah, my son okay. tells me that lacrosse is the sport rich kids play. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's, you know. Wouldn't that be kid, like polo? Rich, rich kids got to be good at something, so might as well be lacrosse. <laughs> 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 They're not taking hits oh, in football. Man. <laughs> I don't oh, know. man. That's what he says. I don't know. I, I grew up in Maryland, so, you know, they play lacrosse up there. Nothing wrong with that. No, uh, true. I will never play it, but yeah. that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> We better talk about some real estate, man. So, oh, hold on before we ch- before we change. Greatest college baseball player ever played in Auburn. Who? Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Ooh, Bo, he was true. amazing. He was yeah. other world. Bo knows yeah. other world in college baseball. I mean, it was like it was like, well, where did this guy come from? It was amazing. A beast. Oh my goodness! And now. Beast, beast, beast. Aaron Judge throwing stuff over the fence at 493 oh feet. Let's Holy not even mackerel. talk about Judge and the Yankees. <laughs> All right, you uh, wanted to talk about mortgage interest rates. This is yeah. much more interesting, but we're going to talk about mortgage Judge and mortgage interest rates with the way Judge jacked the balls this past <laughs> week. Oh, man. Holy cow. That's basically where rates won't go like that, but by God, they're going to be similar. But we're going to jump out here to a break in a few seconds, and we're going to talk about why rates are going to go up. How much? Who knows? That's a million-dollar question. But despite all the stuff you hear in the news, you hear all the stuff that rates are at low levels. And the rates are at low levels. But we're going to talk really from a fundamental reason why rates are going to move up, when we think rates are going to move up, and explain it to you in a way you can understand when we get back from the break. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate. And everyone asks, what are rates going to do? When are rates going to go up? How do I get the 3% rates again and all that good stuff? And if you didn't refinance or you didn't buy, I don't know, back, I guess, early November 2016, the chances of you getting a rate in the threes, probably not going to happen. Unless you're going down to like a 15-year, maybe a 10-year. Uh, or is, there, is there a rate 20. spread between the 15 and the 30-year now? A little bit. Not much. Because there was a long time where the rate spread between the 15 and the 30 was negligible. Yeah, it's it's still all compacted. Like an eighth. It's not very much. I mean, do you think, I mean, in your opinion, do you think an an eighth of a percent spread between a 15 and a 30 is worth it? No, I would just turn around and pay the extra money. Andrew, what do you think? I like to pay the extra money. It's yeah. flexibility. You control well, it. Well, because you're time. kind of buying it down, and you have the option of if times get tough, you don't have mm-hmm. to come up with a difference. Yeah, because if you take that 15-year, you're locking yourself into that payment every month. And if, like you said, if time gets tough, you know, yeah, you got you have a slightly lower rate, but yet you can always make that up at any time by paying an extra 200 300 500 and get yourself back on track. It's real easy. What do you think the spread – you know, that's one of the things I think, you know, going to the questions you're talking about. People say, you know, I should I do a 15? Should I do an arm? Should I do this? And to me, it's always about the market at the time. What's the spread? Right. What's the difference between when – we, when, when we're talking about spread, what we're talking about is the difference between the two rates given two different uh, terms, 30-year, yeah, 15-year. Let's say a 15 just for conversation is three, yeah, and a four is – Four. Yeah. You know, let's just keep it easy. You know, three and a half versus the four. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. So you got a spread of a half a point to a half point. point. Yeah. So what do you think is a spread where you would start going, you know, maybe that 15 year is not a bad idea. How big of a spread do you think it needs to get before you think it's a good idea? That's case by case per client. I mean, I mean but for you personally, I mean, if you if if somebody's if they could afford a 15 year because the rates are going to be fine. The ratios, I mean, are going to be fine. What, what do you think is a number at which it starts to make sense to think about that? I really don't have just a a flat number, which I know it doesn't help you with what you're looking for here. But I, it's literally a I, I look at every client like a well, if the spread was two percent. Well, and you're going to know their situation and yeah, how much yeah. you know money they have and what their bills are. Yeah, and but if, if the spread was two percent and they could afford a 15 year, I mean, we are predicating this conversation on the idea that they can afford a 15 year. If the spread's two percent, what's the loan amount? Three uh, hundred. Probably not. Really, I'd it, still do the thirty year. Still thirty years. The two year, two percent spread. It, some people, depending on their credit, depending on their disposable income. Let's say they got rocket good credit and they've got all the income that they need, and they're putting twenty percent. Today down. they have all the income that they need. Still stay thirty year. Okay, I still stay thirty year because you can run the amortization schedules, and you can take a half a point higher thirty year versus the fifteen. Mm-hmm. Again, half a point difference, and pay the thirty year like you're paying it. You paying it like it's a fifteen, and when you look at the amortization schedule at the end of the day, you're going to pay that loan off in like fifteen, probably fifteen point five or fifteen point six months. Yeah, and the interest you're going to pay extra is probably going to be fifteen thousand dollars over the course of fifteen years. Yeah. So for me. 
and I'm just grabbing those numbers, but they're going to be somewhere well, close yeah, to that. that. That's at a half a percent, but don't you think 2%, you would really, if you could afford to do it, you still would say 30 a year? Peace of mind, man. Just It's Andrew, insurance. What do you think? I kind of like, I like that thought, too. The yeah. peace of mind of if you need it, yeah. you're not you're not maxed out. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I would I would like to point out that if you're listening and this is all wordy and you have no idea what anybody's talking about, that <laughs> me, me, I, well, me. and they're like, what? I don't even know. So please just call and ask somebody. I know we say this Absolutely. a lot, but like I have a client right now that me and Mike were talking about last week that just would not get a pre-approval. Yeah. But they want me to go show them houses, and they want me to run all these numbers about selling them, you know, their house, but they will not call a lender. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I gave them multiple examples of why they need to. And then just to top that off, I finally, you know, sent them Mike's online application. You don't even have to talk to anybody. Just fill this out. You need to know where you stand. And then on the flip side, I have somebody that was ready to sell their house and buy one. And as soon as they called a lender... They realized, oh, well, my husband just changed jobs. We had no idea that we needed income verification for so many months mm-hmm. to get a loan. Mm-hmm. So these other people that will not call anybody that are driving me nuts because they're, I mean, it essentially wastes our time if you're not even in a position. It wastes their time. And theirs because yeah. you're going to go see a house you really like and maybe one of, you're dreaming of moving and then you finally do call a lender and you're not in a position to do anything. Yeah. And, you know. I think that people don't understand if they're dealing with Andra and you're going to take them around. Right. Are you going to even submit an offer if they're not pre-approved in this marketplace? Well, you you really can't. I mean, you can, but... Because all you're going to do is hurt your credibility. Exactly. If I send a, another realtor an offer and there's five on the table and mine's the front runner because I write really good offers. Yes, and then do. they're like, hey, let me see their pre-approval. Oh, guess what? They're not even pre-approved. I look like an idiot. Yeah. So, no, I'm not going to do that. It's wasting their time, my time, and the buyer's time. Yeah, and and that's one of the important differences between a new home and a resale, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you come and you buy a new home from me, well, it takes me a month and a half to get started. Mm -hmm. So if you're not pre-approved and you come and you buy a new home, really, there's no real— There's a little bit of time. There's no real big sin there because, you know, if you can't get a loan, I'm just going to give you your money back and we'll be done with it. Yeah. Because you'll sell it to somebody else, no problem. I've got plenty to sell. Yeah. Whereas if you have a hairy homeowner selling his house and you go and you submit an offer and you don't have a loan, mm-hmm. you are messing with somebody's family. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just not polite. It's no. not right. Yeah. You know? And, and see, that's interesting because we look at that, those two situations totally different because with somebody that's looking to close in 30 days, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to quote them based on a 30-day rate. Yeah. Whereas David, somebody is not closing for – five to six months, yeah. we're going to quote them a little bit higher rate. And I always try to explain that to somebody saying, hey, I could quote you this rate and here's what you probably would be looking at. But yet, do you have a crystal ball in front of you? Do you know what's going to happen in six months? I mean, can you predict the future? Yeah. I can't. I want to prepare you for worst case. Scenario. Exactly. exactly. So and then gonna... you're pleasantly surprised when it ends up being lower if that's the case. Exactly. But in this case, you know, with what we know is going to happen – the Fed's going to start changing their stance on mortgage bonds. Yeah. Right now, they are – I mean, everybody that has still – hasn't refied and has been refined, the Fed has been reinvesting that money and buying more and more mortgage-backed securities, which all that translates to is the Fed being the biggest buyer on Wall Street right now and basically keeping the supply and demand balanced out, which keeps 
rates low, yes. which is what we have enjoyed for a long mm-hmm. time. They are going to start tapering, and they have announced this at their last meeting that they're going to start tapering this at the end of the year. Yeah. So at that point, now you're going to start to flip, not not just like overnight, but they're going to start tapering, which is their words of slowly starting to change the, mm-hmm. the supply and demand balance. But at the same time, you're going to get back to a normal market that's got to support or has to support the amount of bonds that are coming out there in the market to be bought. Yeah. And at some point, you're going to see rates start to tick up just because – there was, a, there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal. It actually is posted on Capital Home's Facebook page. So you can go to capitalhomeideas.com and go through the Facebook page to see the article talking about this exactly, about yeah. how – this article was also talking about, in their opinion, you know, this, this person who was writing this, that they're late to the game mm-hmm. and that by being late to the game, it's going to be exacerbated and it's going to be worse. In other words, if they had done this a year ago, rates might have gotten to four and a half percent. But because they're late to the game, mm-hmm. this person was predicting rates were going to go to six and a quarter percent. Now, whether they're right or not, I don't know. But but that was the point. And so, again, go to CapitalHomeIdeas.com and yeah. get our Facebook link and you'll see the article. I feel like we got a little longer before we're hitting six and a quarter. I don't I, I don't think it's going to go that high. I don't think it'll go that high in because like next twelve months. Yeah, because they can control how much they sell. So right. it's it's almost like it's the reverse of what they normally do with with reducing uh, the Fed's fund rate. They but they can't control fear. No, they can't control fear, but they can control the amount of bonds that they put out on the market but to they, sell. But they can't control fear. No, they can't control fear. And if there is no buyers, <laughs> there's always buyers. Hey. Oh, hey. And if you're Do you a buyer, remember 2008. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, if you're a buyer, we're gonna when we get back from this break, we're gonna talk about why you need to work with a professional real estate agent in your local market. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here at News Radio 1510 WAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things of real estate. Jamming it out in the house this morning with Andrew Brewer from Benchmark Real Estate, Real Estate, Realty. Geez, hey, <laughs> all screwed if, up this morning. If, if we cut that with you doing your chair dance, will you post that? Um, you got to do that again. Where would you post no. it? Where would you post it? No, I don't She's know. Depends on how I look. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking good. <laughs> Where would you post it? I'd, I'd post it, oh, on EastNashvilleAgent.com or go. my Facebook page. <laughs> Golly. I can't put the Tried to plug me. I get it. I get it. I get it. Holy mackerel. <laughs> and David Lukey from Capital Homes, and I'm your host, Michael, from Waterstone Mortgage. And before the break, we said we're going to talk about working with a local real estate agent like Andrew Brewer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, people all the time, and I know you have the horror stories about it, they want to work with a local mortgage company. I mean, they want to work with an online mortgage company, and they're suckered into the the teaser rates and mm-hmm. all the other promises. Mm-hmm. And you Here's guys- the one I don't understand, and I won't say them by name, but how on earth are people supposed to pick a mortgage by only looking at the payment on their phone? That's the most retarded thing you should be doing. 
Holy mackerel. Let me commit myself for 30 years. That's stupid. By looking at my phone screen. Anybody that does something like based on that, by just, on just an app, is stupid. I, I well, I, okay, that's a little harsh, but <laughs> but hey, I think it's less than prudent. How's that? I st- I'm sticking with stupid because I can sit here and show you over and over and over just so many different ways. Because a lot of people they go out and look at. I mean, oh, I'm not even going to get off on a tangent, but there's... Well, and some people are obsessed with the rate, but then in the long run, their payment may be less with a higher rate depending on how their their loan is structured. I agree. Right. And they don't get that. No. And they don't tell you what you need to know to to compile their loan and make it how it is. Hmm. And and when they show it on their TV commercial, and all you see is the payment, and you check off which which payment you want... Mm I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Dude. I'll take a $500 payment. What do I get? You know, I just, I don't understand. I really don't understand. There are so many loan programs out there, but yet, you know, there's one of you. Yeah. And your situation, your financial situation, your credit situation is unique to you. Yes. So to just say, hey, here's your four options. Pick one. I mean, come on. Really? Yeah, I mean, and most people are forthcoming in their info and stuff. But I've had people where they didn't really tell you the whole story. Like maybe you're embarrassed about it or something. But no one tells um, you. We're the trying whole to story. give you a loan yeah. for a lot of money, and we need to know the facts. Exactly. Like I don't care if you're getting a divorce or your dog's friend's brother did this, and you got to pay him in a lawsuit or whatever. These are things you need to know. Yeah. We had a client just the other day, and I, I said, "Hey, look, I'm on your side." You need to level with me. Just tell me. It's yeah. better for you to tell me so I know how to help you because if this gets to the underwriter and we're re- being reactive instead of proactive, yeah. we could be dead in the water. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you got to lay it all, on the, all on, the, on, the, on the table because, I mean, think about it. If you're going out to buy a home, and we were talking about this during one of the breaks about cash buyers, and it's like – if you, just, if you just don't have all the cash ready to go and you can strike a check for it, you know, you're going to go borrow the money from somebody. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to go borrow the money from Uncle Bob, then you're you going gotta... to be getting a loan with somebody. Right. And then if you go to Uncle Bob, he's going to ask you some questions. <laughs> all right, son, what are you what are you looking to buy? How much are you looking to buy? When are you going to return? You know, how are you going to pay it? I mean, there's going to be this series and series and series. Where are you working? How much can you afford? Blah, blah, blah. So when a lender asks, why is it such a bad thing? I, I, I had a, years ago, years and years ago, I had a guy say to me, why does the mortgage company care how I pay my bills? Oh, my God. And I, and I said, let me, you know, <laughs> just talk this out real quick. <laughs> so you're at work and a brand new guy starts, new guy on the job, and he comes up to you. The first day, and he says, hey, man, I'm a little short for lunch. Can I borrow five bucks? Would you lend it to him? He goes, yeah, I'd lend it to him. I said, no, I would too. Yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of weeks later, he comes back, and he hasn't given you your five bucks back. And he says, hey, man, can I borrow another five bucks for lunch? And while he's asking you, all of your other friends that you've known for years and years and years say, hey, man, where's the 10 bucks you borrowed from me last week? And the other guy says, where's the 20 bucks you borrowed from me? You going to lend it to him then? He goes, 
H, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> said, so what's happening is the mortgage company is asking all of their friends, mm-hmm. did you pay them back for lunch yet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're saying H, That's a no. good way to put it. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. <laughs> so what do you think they're going to do? I might need to use that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's David has some really good analogies and stories for stuff like this. Yeah. yeah. That's a great way to put it. I mean, that's back to the person who won't call and, and they were like, well, we, you know, we may just build. Well, even if you're building a house, you're going to have to get a loan to build it. Yeah. You don't have the cash, right? Okay. Well, then you still need a loan. I, I will tell you an interesting story. I, you know, we've talked about this before. As a new home builder, I don't wait for the highest offer. If the mm-hmm. first person who says, yes, I'll pay the full price, right. it's theirs. Right. But I did recently have two people ready to buy the same house pretty much at the same time, Uh-oh. both full price. Uh-oh. And I will tell you, I, I, I went with the agent that I knew that oh, had yeah. credibility. Because I knew that the agent that I was talking to knew what they were doing and right. knew how to mm-hmm. take care of business was right. a, was a professional agent understood the game, right. I, you know I I every I day, do that all the time when I have agents come in and ask all the wrong questions that don't you know they're just getting you, started I mean yeah. I don't mean to be mean everybody's got to start somewhere absolutely but I mean you know the experienced agents that's going to ask me smart questions it's going to understand. You know, that you know is going to be on top of things and make sure things are yeah. getting done. Yes. You know, and, and, even, and just as simple, has sold a new home before mm-hmm. and knows that I'm actually a professional builder mm-hmm. and I actually know what I'm talking about instead of, you know, barking at me things that are wrong. You know, I, I, it makes such a difference. Oh, it makes um, I, usually, I like new construction deals because they're <laughs> like, here, just come in and we'll write the offer up. And I just sit there and smile and yeah. then they but, handle everything kind of. I'm like, I'm good. But, you know, you do offer a value. I know it's easier. We, we, we want to make it as easy as possible. Right. But well, they're, they're just set up different, which yeah, is yeah. the which is the difference in buying a new construction versus yeah. you know a house from somebody that's selling their home. I mean, they when you have an experienced carpet, agent that shows up, mm-hmm. that the level of instead of educating two people, the two buyers, mm-hmm. you find yourself educating three people, <laughs> um, and it's it 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 gets painful sometimes. Yeah. It's really really painful. I it, I can see that. You know so. But, you know, like back on people that are experienced, I I just this morning got a deal going um, where I had five offers on it. And I, you know, I broke them all down and two of my main contenders were totally agents I knew and the offers right. were very similar. But I will say I have a friend of mine I knew years ago. And she just got into real estate, but she called me up. She's um, she's kind of dingy back in the day, you know. So I was like, well, I wonder what kind of realtor she's going to be. But she called me up one day about one of my listings, and she asked all the right questions. Brand new agent. And I was like, I think she's going to be really good. Good. So I'm waiting until I get to do a deal with her. Because, I mean, and you can tell, like, I don't know, people that are putting the effort in. And, I mean, and I've talked to agents that have been realtors for 20 years, but you can tell they sell, like, two houses a year. Exactly. And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't think this guy really gets what's going on. You know, like right now, if you call and you go, hey, I want to show your house. I'm showing a house this afternoon. And the guy's like, well, I ain't went over there and put a lockbox on it yet. And it's been listed, like, two days. And I was like, has no one else called this guy to see this house? And he's like, I'll probably get over there this afternoon. And I was like really dude do you know what kind of market we're in hey what are you doing yeah i mean you got to have the house ready anyway i mean he's going to put a lockbox on there for me but those are are ones you can usually get a good deal because they don't really wait around on more offers Mm -hmm. you just put yours in and they're like are clueless that multiple ones will probably come in so so if you're selling a house where do you find a good experienced agent 
You go to eastnashvilleagent.com, or you can just Google me, Andra Brewer. Andra. (laughs) And she does have the best hair on set today. Yes. (laughs) Don't call her redhead. Y'all just say that because I have the most hair on set. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're not even the running dude. She has hair, and that doesn't... So you're bumped. I'll qualify me. Well, I have hair, too, but that's not on the head. Mm. Come on, David. Come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, I have a quick funny story when we come back. All right, we're going to have and just funny story when we come back, and then we're going to get into some industry lingo and wrap the show up. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You're listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate. We're going to come back with a little funny story from Andrew Brewer. Well, she, she hasn't given us any insight on this, so there's no <laughs> test run. Well, it's not that funny. It's just like... <laughs> you said it was funny. Well, I was just pointing out like a day in the life of the realtor. So I had a client relocating to here from Seattle. So she flies in. She has four kids. Her husband's like running a bank or something. And she moving flew here. in with four kids? No, she flew in by herself to find a house and had two days to do it. Oh, I was about to say. So she Googled, found me, whatever. I'm a realtor. So I literally set up like 20 houses. And as a, as a realtor who drives around with people, you're always kind of like, okay, I'm about to spend the whole day with this lady. Is she going to be like a weirdo or right. is she cool? Right. So she ends up being cool. We had a great day. We looked at all kinds of stuff. But I mean, we went from East Nashville to Madison to Franklin to Brentwood. I mean, we went all over dang town. Right. Did you show my houses? Um, No. Come on, Andrea. I'm sorry. Anyway, so <laughs> she was from Seattle. So I thought it was really funny because she said, well, um, do y'all have snakes? And I was like, oh, yeah, we got a lot of snakes. And I'm like naming them. And I was like, you know, we got copperheads, rattlesnakes, black runner. What's a black runner? And then I was like, oh, you know, you probably never said, you know. So anyway, she kept asking me all these differences about from Seattle to here. She's like, yeah, we don't really have snakes. And I was like, really? And then she lives like outside of Seattle, like in the woods. And she was like, no, we don't really have snakes. So I guess it's like an altitude thing or cold weather. I don't know. But then she was asking about bugs. And she was like, well, what kind of bugs do y'all have? And I was like, mosquitoes and chiggers. And they're like, chiggers? What's a chigger? Rude awakening. (laughs) I mean, so, yeah. I mean, it was just really funny, the differences that you learn about people based on what part of the country they live in. Because she was like, do y'all have scorpions? And I was like, well, I think so but i don't really see them they're not prevalent right but yeah it was just kind of, it was just weird learning about somebody's region but i couldn't believe they don't really have snakes up there and she was like do y'all have bears and i was like well we do in east tennessee but you're not gonna have a grizzly walk up on you up here in no. nashville <laughs> so no. yeah but there was like a what was it like a cougar or something that was in franklin loose yeah actually a couple yeah that was like a six well, months ago cats around here yeah 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 I was like, bobcats, yeah. coyotes, I was just naming all these things, and her eyes was bugging out. But well, I mean, they have that on the West Coast. Yeah. But I mean, don't have bears, I mean, it's definitely a trade-off. I remember living in Portland. I mean, it was, yeah, I don't remember the bugs. I don't remember, no mosquitoes or anything like that. Um, didn't even think about snakes or anything like that. But, um, I mean, heck, you hear... Going up and down the rivers. I mean, the bears mm-hmm. and all the 
wildlife and everything. Oh, you want to know something else random? The day, we, the first day, it was so sunny and beautiful. It was a great day. I mean, to like have somebody flying and uh, drive them around it was a great day. About one o'clock, she goes, you know what I just realized? And I was like, what? And she's like, I don't own a pair of sunglasses. I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, I don't even own a pair. And she was like, the sun's never out. And I always thought that that was like a misconception, that it was actually like it rained a lot, but the sun was out and it would just like rain once a day. She's like, no, we have times of the year where it's just like cloudy and rainy all the time. When I moved out there, they said, take a picture of the sun, post it on your wall in October because you won't see it from October until April. Wow. Yeah, she didn't own sunglasses. It blew my mind. Because I'm literally like on a cloudy day, like, where's my sunglasses? Uh, I mean, I have to have them. But here's the crazy thing. Nashville receives, I think it's right at a foot more precipitation. It rains Portland. more in Nashville than yeah. it in, in Seattle. Portland. You would never think that. I, I think the funniest thing, I told you about this before, in Santa Barbara. Where <laughs> In Santa Barbara, I'm, I'm visiting some family out there. And apparently they're too high flutin to have fog. Oh. Did you know that? There is no fog in Santa Barbara. Because of the constant breeze? No, no, no. No? There is marine layer. They kept what? talking about they kept talking about the marine oh, layer. Oh, that's what all they morning, call fog. All, all morning. <laughs> I mean, it is like foggy. I can't see anything. That's it's not fog. That's marine layer. <laughs> like, what okay. is marine layer? You say, well, in Tennessee, we call that fog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man. No, it was funny. I, I had a big kick out of marine layer. I thought that was great. I'll have to use that, too. Look at this full of little, there you go. little nuggets. <laughs> yep, Santa Barbara. That's my Santa Barbara talk. <laughs> my SoCal. Hello. It's oh, funny my how goodness. the two coasts work. It is funny. Let's talk into, or jump into some uh, industry what lingo. What was this? Or, oh, you, you want to talk wanna, about industry lingo? Go ahead. What you got industry lingo? Well, you, you, you want to jump into the housing stuff real quick. Oh, this is a great article. They're talking about um, how new home sales at over 400 is actually down. Yeah. And how uh, from 200 to 400, it's up just a tad, and it's just up a tad under 200 as well. And this article makes a very excellent point. I was trying to figure out where this article was written. Uh, hold on, I can tell you where. And it was talking about how the fact that sales are off, new home sales are off, not because that sales demand is off, but because supply is down. And that is absolutely the case here in Nashville. Yeah. National Association of Home Builders uh, actually uh, revealed the numbers and published it in the Housing Wire. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, it's rather interesting, which is also, it's, it's, it's funny how, Certain media sources will say things. I mean, like there was one one article just the other day that was talking about how uh, the houses have hit a ceiling and blah, 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 and the values are going to crash. And it's like, no. Yeah. And they're just taking and misinterpreting the, the numbers wrong and not seeing the numbers for what they really are. But, yeah, I mean, this clearly Our, our unit it. sales are off. Or not our dollar volume, but our unit sales are off Right, about 15 percent year over year. And it is all supply. Oh yeah, it's a hundred percent supply. Some some new home builders will sell way out in front of what they have. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do that because it just leads to disappointed customers. I like to start selling when we actually can deliver right. in some kind of reasonable time frame. And um, it's just you know it, it, it's all about the supply. We just don't have it. I, my my capacity is full with customers. Yeah, 
And, you know, it, it, it makes it's great situation, but it's also a tough situation because you have to basically tell people no. Yeah. All of the predictions going into 2017 were that numbers were going to be down, but yet it's only because of the same thing, the supply. supply. I mean, you can only get – I mean, there's only so many houses right now. It takes about a year and a half to take a piece of property from a piece of farm to entitled um, – let me rephrase that. It used to take about a year and a half. It's up to about two and a half years now in Davidson County. We two had and a, a half? Yeah, we had a piece of property that was entitled – and What's was that mean? approved. It means that um, if the zoning previously was agriculture, okay, and you want to get it rezoned for cluster R twenty, which means one house, four houses per acre, or whatever, something like that, then you have to get it entitled. So you have to get it approved zoning wise. Okay. And so th- that whole process from beginning to end used to take about a year and a half. It takes about two and a half years now. And so we had a piece of property. We have a piece of property, I should say, not. not me, but the developer does, that's approved, and it's taken him nine months to get through the permit process, even though it was all approved. So everything was reviewed and approved, and it's still taken us about nine months, and that's a process that used to take about two months. Why nine months? They're just so backed up down at Metro that they just cannot review everything quickly. Somebody needs to hire some more people. Well, there is – yeah, you might have been following that story. It's been covered really big on Channel 4 and yeah. it's been covered in the Tennessean how there's been a big conflict between the zoning director and the, and the mayor and the city council. Yeah. And he – you know, they, they've they gotten a court order actually now. So, I mean, it's it's a whole – that's a whole kerfuffle that I, I'm not as – I'm not an expert enough to talk about it. But I'm sure that if people go to the local media outlets, they can read all Find about it, that. yeah. Uh, I'll try to find a good article and get it posted on Facebook. Cool. Go through CapitalHomeIdeas.com to find it. But cool. I'll, I'll, try, I'll get a good article up there. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it shouldn't take that long to get some things stamped and kicked yeah. out the door. Yeah, you wouldn't think. All right, so industry lingo. Yes. Interest rate versus annual percentage rate. Yeah. That and causes a lot of confusion. That causes a lot of confusion. So what is the annual percentage rate? Annual percentage rate is where – A.K.A. Gov- APR. APR, yes. It's where the government wants everything closing cost-wise to be factored in to your interest rate and projected out to a new rate, which is your APR. But what I don't like about this is you know, it works in certain industries, but in like our industry, if you're paying your closing cost – and you are not financing any closing costs, or you have, like in your case, sometimes you have seller's concession or builder's concessions and so let, forth. Let, let's break it down a little easier. All right. Okay. Try again. So, so if you were, for whatever reason, doing a one-year mortgage, one-year mortgage. for $100,000 and your interest rate was going to be 3.25%, <laughs> but you were going to pay one point for the pleasure of getting the loan. Okay. Your APR would be 4.25%. Correct? Because that's the total return to the investor. That's what the APR is all about. It's the total interest that you're paying. So you're going to pay that 3.25 over the year as you make your payments, plus you're paying the 1% on the front end. Yeah. And so that's the difference between the interest rate and the APR. What they're saying is the interest rate is the interest rate, but the APR is the total amount that you're paying. For the pleasure. Now it gets more complicated. Obviously, if you're looking at a 30-year note, you could look at that way. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. And then the other one that I never understood is you're supposed to declare an APR 
That's on an adjustable rate. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I don't know how you do that. I don't know what the formula is. I'm sure that some scientist back in the lab somewhere is crazy. Cra- cracked out something on on his uh, on his iPad, but uh, it, it's it is a really meaningless number at times. Here's the short story. The form goes on to say, "This is your actual payment. Here's your actual actual interest rate." Yeah. So I mean, uh, everyone says I need to have my my APR. Your APR really doesn't show you anything. Yeah. Your interest rate is your interest rate. Your payment is your payments. So um, that's the way I look at it. Um, appraisal versus home inspection. Hmm. I often get the question of what's the difference? Yeah. So the home inspection is when a, uh, a person goes in and looks at the house from, I guess you'd say, a quality standpoint or um, safety. Usually, safety. Usually life safety stuff they're looking at mostly and they're okay. also looking at – I got a great inspection back the other day, and the guy actually, on the report, wrote down the life expectancy of each item. Now, really? obviously, for a new home, that was really kind of a waste of time. Yeah. But I thought that was really cool if you're buying a used home on a resale home to yeah, know. I've seen that before. Expected life expectancy of the water heater. Expected life expectancy of the roof. It was kind of cool. Yeah. I think the reason that people may get that inspection mixed up with the appraisal is when you buy an FHA, when you get an FHA loan, you have to get an inspection with your appraisal, and I think that's probably why people get that mixed up because FHA has certain life safety standards that you have to meet when you get an FHA loan with that house. Well, the, the FHA appraiser typically picks up on that, but most of the stuff – I mean the, the appraisal itself is basically assigning value to make sure the sales right. price is, is – um, appropriate and it meets all the the rules and regulations for financing, but the home inspection just making sure all your life safety stuff. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff's there. So we are running out of time. We're going to pick up on our industry lingo. Uh, we'll talk some more about the next week. Yeah, we'll pick up and finish this next week. If you uh, missed any of the show, you got the moneymanmike.net, moneymanmike.net, or on Facebook, moneymanmike radio. We got to go. Y'all have a great day.